felt like nerve pain mm-hmm. going down my leg. Um, just like all in the, the back of my leg and my knee, like my calf was seizing up and I like called Miguel's mom, who's my PT and just started bawling. I was like, Marty, I don't know what's going on right now. I'm like, my leg doesn't feel good. I don't know if I'm going to be able to race tomorrow. Like, I don't know if I like push it. I'm Jenna Hoffler. I'm Miguel Maddox. And this is another episode of Good Morning Brian with your host, Brian Loza. And we're going to be staying in the world of triathlon today on this episode, just like Ari, who I found on YouTube. I've got a triathlon couple, Jenna and Miguel, that I just started watching their videos, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago and just became obsessed with the energy that they're bringing to the sport of triathlon, not only because they're amazing, but the chemistry that they have in their relationship also combined with the sport just makes for great content and you just cannot enjoy watching their videos, so... One day I was watching and I was like, hey, I got to get them on the show and just talk about their journey of getting into triathlon, how they got into the relationship because I'm a sucker for relationships and yeah, just see what they're trying to do in triathlon and in life. Of course, we talk about their morning routines and how important those are and how they how those kind of ground us and give us reason to our day. So yeah, hopefully you enjoy this episode kick back, relax, take a walk, grab some coffee, or if you're listening to this at night, get your dinner ready, wherever you are. Let's go. Even, <laughs> even no, if we you don't get like a, like a big response from it, you just have that like, it's that, a rush. Like, yeah. Yeah. Up, like, oh, it's out there. People are listening to it. And then like, the more strangers that listen to it and like maybe engage with it, it's like, whoa, like, people actually watch or listen to this stuff and that just get deeper and deeper. (laughs) Yeah, we were actually actually just talking about this yesterday about how like we we were thinking back to like January or February when we had like 98 subscribers and we were begging our friends to like watch our YouTube channel and like subscribe to the videos or subscribe (laughs) to the channel and like, yeah, just like every single person, like every extra view that we got was always so exciting. Mm-hmm. And No, yeah, I guess we could start there then. Because you only started the channel, was it January or a little before that? I think in or December. Was it, yeah. Because when did you, because the first video is you, I guess, during the pandemic. And it's just like a fast forward of like 200 something days. Yeah, going, I mean. I feel like so many people started creative stuff or had ideas for creative stuff during the pandemic. Uh-huh. And we had this like crazy adventure where we, we left New York. We were living in New York at the time. And we Which part of New York? Huh? Which part of New York? Uh, we were both living in Brooklyn at the time okay. um, in Williamsburg and pandemic happened. Jenna's brother was like, we have to get out of the city. And the three of us left and, traveled around getting different airbnbs and Mm -hmm. then at some point we were like maybe we should go back home our families are both from the bay area here um, near san francisco Mm -hmm. Um, 
So we bought a car and road tripped across the country and like all of this happened and we were like, we, why aren't we like recording this or <laughs> documenting anything? And why don't we start making videos and Jenna works in, in media and production. So nice. um, we, we had some equipment we kind of just started from there. We kind of wish we were documenting the whole thing from the beginning, but no, yeah. yeah. I think I think I had that I've had this like itch to start a YouTube channel for so long um and like my first pandemic purchase was a drone like in April <laughs> and I was like I don't know what I'm going to take drone footage of but I'm not in New York City anymore I'm like in the trees in like the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania yeah. and just started filming random stuff so that's what that first video was it was basically just like a compilation of all the random footage that we had on all of nice. our cameras, all of our phones, our drone from I the think, last however long. And I think within the first three months of the pandemic, we bought a drone and two bikes. Nice. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you did. I bought two bikes. You bought a drone. Yeah. There's some like shots where you guys are training and I don't even realize it, but then it's a drone shot. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> it's just crazy. Like how much when you plan to like film and also train, I guess it's more of like the easier days where you'll film, but it just pushes that being out for so much longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Time. Right. Like you, you do an hour long workout and you end up being out there for like three hours trying to get all the shots and everything. And <laughs> Or we do a, a three hour long bike ride and we need to plan with enough food for afterwards four that we can be out there hours. yeah so we can be there for like four to five hours yeah yeah because where do you guys live right now again you live in just north of san francisco okay oh, nice Milk yeah because yeah. okay yeah because i used to live in petaluma oh um, back in march yeah and so my girlfriend she lives in san francisco right now too so i kind of know your whole area all right yeah it's it i mean you know it's the perfect place to like train and make videos about training <laughs> yeah yep you, you have some good you got some good biking out there good spots um but yeah i guess we can so you guys didn't meet because like i'm a i'm a sucker for like relationships too i always <laughs> like the, i always like the behind the behind the scene how did you meet um so you both like grew up in california but when did you, you didn't know each other until, was it right before you got into triathlon or how was it? Cause I, I did a little, I did a little snooping and you both posted like the same Instagram, not the same Instagram picture, but you posted a picture of each other on your pages around the same time. And it was the first picture. That's so funny. <laughs> well, go ahead. I'm honored that you stalked us by the way. <laughs> Um, we, so we actually met in Williamsburg, like three years ago, something like that, um, at the Metropolitan Pool. It's a three lane public pool from like, I don't know when it was built, like in the 1800s. As <laughs> it's like, it's like the dinkiest, but also the most beautiful pool. Um, we were both swimming there in the middle fast lane and I saw another like fast swimmer and stopped to talk to him. Um, I think I said to you, like, 
This kind of sucks. Like everybody's yeah. slow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when your boat's swimmers swimming in the wreck pool, it's you you Pretty should obvious. have a bond already. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like you, you can look at each other and be like, can you believe this? Like mm-hmm. no one knows how to swim here. Um, very pretentious thing to say, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> it's like, you well, know, it's there's like, only three lanes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like the fast lane is not very fast. Um, but yeah, we were both wearing our college caps and we stopped to talk to each other and it was really weird because we found out we were both from the Bay Area mm-hmm. and we knew like we had a bunch of mutual connections mutual friends and and you know we probably went to like growing up we probably went to like a hundred swim meets that you know (laughs) together but we never knew each other we never met until we were both living in Brooklyn um and uh yeah and she had a girlfriend or (laughs) she had a boyfriend at the time um (laughs) and I had to wait patiently for two years and um and then we got together a couple years later and that was nice. like we got together like I don't know four or five months before the pandemic um so we kind of rolled the dice a little bit like going to move <laughs> in with each other you know at the start of the pandemic but it it worked out I'd say that <laughs> was, you were more confident about it than I was oh I was yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's okay I'm on the same boat as that because me and my girlfriend started dating around the same time like five months before pandemic yeah and then uh, you guys get not stuck with that person but it's like all right well I'm not gonna go see anyone else so yeah yeah I mean it's it's better to risk it than than to just be like well I guess this isn't happening anymore so Mm -hmm. um I think it worked out for the better for a lot of people which is cool definitely so you both came from a background of swimming from what I've seen. That's so funny that you both grew up in the same spot and then you both were into swimming. And so you went to, so you grew up in the Bay area, um, Miguel, and then you went to the East coast to swim. Yep. I went to Fordham university. It's a liberal arts school in the Bronx. Um, so I was there for four years and then graduated and stayed in New York, moved to Brooklyn um, for three years. I was working at a digital health company doing marketing for them. Um, and then uh, Jenna had kind of the opposite. Yeah, you, I, you went to school in like Pomona, right? You really deep stocked, huh? You did your research. He's doing his job. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I, I grew up in like West Covina, Pomona area. Oh, okay. I, went to, I went to Cal Poly Pomona. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, I went to Pomona College. Yeah, I know where like the Pomona Colleges are. And yeah, I know Mm -hmm. the whole area. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I just I wanted to stay in California. And it's 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 nice. You can't can't beat it. It's nice to get out sometimes, but you always end up coming back. Definitely. Yeah. And so I decided after graduating to move to New York. Um, My brother was over there and decided that I wanted to experience a winter for the first time and during the pandemic realized that I didn't want to like winter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the the push? I know um, you guys have talked about like being like high school and collegiate athletes and then kind of finding an identity after shoot that's like eight years of your life committed to like one sport because I don't know if in high school you did any other sports besides swimming um but I know 
Yeah, I quit all other sports <laughs> just before high school. So it was, yeah, eight years of the same thing. Yeah, so definitely you have a the upper hand like with swimming. And I guess what was the push to start triathlon? Um, yeah, I mean, you said it. It, it. I think a lot of collegiate athletes go through this, especially when they do the same sport in high school and that's all they do and get serious and competitive about something. And after college, you graduate and it's, it's over and you realize that sport defined your identity in a huge way. Um, you know, whether you realized it or not, it, it did. And then it just suddenly is taken away from you. Um, and you, you go through this transition period where you get a job and go through everything, what everyone else did. Um, and, and I think, uh, triathlon is such a beautiful thing because no matter what athletic activity or sport you did in high school or college or growing up or whatever, like you can find your way into it and, you know, be pretty good at it. Um, it just takes, you know, uh, a sense of commitment, I think. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like, like six months went by post-graduation. I was just going to the gym every now and then. And I was like, I needed, I need way more than this to stimulate <laughs> myself. And, um, one of my coworkers at the time, uh, he, he's like my best friend now, but, um, <clears throat> he, his cousin is named Conrad, who's my coach now, but, um, he, uh, he went home, we both went home for like Christmas vacation or whatever. And then in January, he came back to the office and he was like, Hey, Miguel, I want to do an Ironman. You want to do it with me? <laughs> my cousin's a triathlon coach. He's going to train us. And I'm like, you know what? Like, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> like I, that my, my mom was a Kona triathlete back in the day. Like okay. she made me swim from a young age because she didn't know how to swim and wished that I would be a triathlete someday and knew how to swim. Um, okay. <laughs> so like triathlon was always something I was like, maybe destined to do. Uh, so I was like, it was a very easy convince when, my buddy came back and told me he wanted to do an Ironman and literally a week later into our training. Um, he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, like this is hard. Yeah, this is hard. I want to go lift weights and do other things and play basketball. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was like, all right, well, thanks for the coach, I guess. And, <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. So, um, this coach, you know, who I'm still coached by today is like the best thing that happened. And I owe it to my random coworker who's now my best friend and led me in the right direction. And Jenna's coached by the same guy now, but had a different path, I guess, to get there. What was yours, Jenna? What was that? What was yours like? Or I guess what was the, what was the mindset too? It's like you, I don't even know, like thinking back to when I graduated, like you're about to graduate. And you're like, oh, what's going to happen after as far as like fitness wise? Because I know like you get your degree, you go get a job. But I don't know if like you had, oh, what am I going to do after as far as like fitness? And yeah, yeah. Um, so my first job out of college was at like a, a health and fitness media company. So I was like around active people all the time. Um, I think the thing that I struggled with was was not having a goal for a while. Um, Same. 
I would, <laughs> I would go to spin classes and like go to like, I don't know, a class like Orange Theory and like see my heart rate on the board and be like, yes, I was in this zone for that long. And like, <laughs> that was the type of competition that I had. And I was like, oh, okay, like I, I clearly need more of this. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm like searching out something like this. So I, I just, I wanted to get into something that I could um, like, I guess, itch that, itch that scratch, scratch that itch um scratch that itch for like competition she stumbles on her words a lot but it's hilarious (laughs) it was i don't i forgot which video it was you you said i'm a i'm a sweaty salter salter. (laughs) (laughs) okay but anyway yeah let me continue yeah continue sorry (laughs) for for triathlon um my my freshman year of college after Mm -hmm. my freshman swim season my older brother actually signed me up for a half Ironman. Um, he, <laughs> he had, he had signed himself up to like get back in shape. He had quit his swim team and like wanted a new goal as well. And wanted to like convince himself to get in shape. And it was either like get in shape for this race or absolutely die. And he asked some of his friends if they wanted to do it. And everybody was like, that sounds fun to go to Hawaii, but we are not going to do this race. <laughs> so as a birthday slash Christmas present, he was like, Jenna, you are going to do this race with me. We're heading to Hawaii. Nice. So my first race was this beautiful, super long race in Hawaii <laughs> that I did not train enough for. And it was probably like the most painful seven hours of my life. You I finished like, though. I finished, I beat him, which was, which was the big goal of, of that event. Um, and then you were out of the water, like in fifth place and put on your tennis shoes and started yeah. biking. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a complete noob and I didn't know what I was doing and yeah, I, just, was fun. I, had, I had so much fun doing it, even though it was just utterly miserable Yeah. Um, that like after, after graduation, mm-hmm. I was like, I, I love swimming still. I'm like, not about to join a master's team um, and like compete masters that's behind me. But what else can I do that like will incorporate swimming and mm-hmm. biking, which I love and running, which I love and it all just fit together. Nice. And then, okay. So you, you're both doing triathlon and then when's the point where I guess I don't know if it's like the, like, when did you start having success and you're like, all right, I'm on, like, you pick up sponsors or like, when you decide, it's like, all right, I'm going to like actually give this a go. And like, yeah, I think, um, I think the goal point that you brought up is a good point because I think that was the identity that I was talking about. It's like, yeah, fitness is great, but like, I need a goal. I need something greater to reach for. And I think something that I noticed about myself when I was in New York, especially like doing fitness classes or going to the gym, it's like, like I felt the need to be like something more. Like I didn't want to fit in doing something active. I didn't want to fit in, in a, you know, in a spin class or something. I wanted to be like extraordinary at athletics, (laughs) you know, like, um, and I think that comes from my parents too. They're like mega athletes. And we talk about sports all the time and professional athletics. And that's just always been like this kind of, like there's always been some sort of mysticism around like pro athletes. And 
I think I got in a triathlon and immediately like with my coach started winning races. Like I've won the first like three local races that I did basically because I was a good swimmer and he taught me how to bike and then I could get, I could use my willpower to finish the run. Um, and I probably did races that didn't have a very deep field or whatever, but regardless, it's, it's like, having, yeah. And like <laughs> having those early wins, it's like it, and it showed me like, wow, you can be like extraordinary at this. You can win. And, um, that just like kept adding fuel to the fire. And, um, there was one local race that I did here in California in Napa and, I, I won this local Olympic triathlon mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I went back to New York and a couple of weeks later, I got reached out to by Rich Viola, the, the head of team Everyman Jack. And apparently that race did have a deep field and he had athletes there that were really fast and went on to win more half Ironmans a few weeks later and stuff. And he was like, Hey, like you beat like some really fast guys. Do you want to be on this team? <laughs> and we kind of had some mutual connections growing up. And so, so for me, that like that path kind of happened organically. It just, you know, my incentive to keep doing triathlon was driven by like the need to be extraordinary at something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you do enough races and you, you are competitive enough to where you just kind of get noticed and um, things happen naturally. So that's kind of how it happened for me. And, you know, I think it's, it's happening to you right now too. <laughs> I love that you throw every question back at me. It's really sweet. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you just segue straight into me. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I asked both, like it's an open question to both of you and then I guess I transition, but yeah, he's doing my job for me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't have the, the sponsors and the team that Miguel has right now. I think I'm in a little bit of earlier stages. I, you got, he got hooked up with a coach before me and I'm slowly working my way up there. I think I'm, I'm just starting to put together races that I'm really proud of um, from beginning to end. And I'm trying to figure out how to not get injured while running because running is just a, a very new sport for my body. Yeah. Muscles. Um, how did, um, how did Oregon go? Oh yeah. It, it went really well. I, I you can probably talk about this in your next video, but we oh, yeah. will. So here's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I got my world's qualifying cut. Um, it was a, a really fast race, actually, like a lot of very fast, like West Coast people were there. Um, the fields were super deep. And the course, it was a brand new race. The course was super fast. It was it was a downstream swim, which was great for everybody else. And not as advantageous for me because I would go that fast anyway, but the more swimming, the better for us. Downstream is not an advantage. (laughs) Upstream would have been fantastic, but um, no. And then I think, yeah, I just put together everything really well. Swim was great. My bike was solid. Um, And my run, the plan was just to hold on and stay conservative um and finish in like top five for my age group and we're you got fourth right got fourth yeah so got with that a, got that world slot with a super conservative run too yeah yeah we're both racing in in two weeks so Sweet. 
Save legs. Yeah, definitely. Were you able, because I know, was it two videos ago where you put that solid track workout together? Um, was yeah. it a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Was that like your last yeah, good last run? Video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, recently I've been, I've been dealing with some like hamstring and hip problems and Oof. yeah, have been, have been trying to work through that and was, was able to get through that run. Um, but is that more just like mechanical like issues going on or is it just like still like the mileage like adding up and kind of it probably stems from mechanical issues i think a lot of things do and <laughs> running is it doesn't make any sense like i'm i'm <laughs> starting to figure it out and i think for me like the key to running was to just drop my ego i used to like when i first started triathlon i would go out on runs and like run at like 650 pace on all my easy runs and that, and I did that for a long time and I like just started to get injury after injury and then it, like my coach was finally like like you got to drop your ego you have to go run nine minute pace on all your easy runs and as yeah soon as it, I did it feels that, weird I, doing it yeah you you <laughs> come back from a run and you feel like so not satisfied it's like did i even just do a workout that kind of sucked and but then like, everybody sees your eight yeah pace on strava, strava <laughs> like ruins that but like I, i've suddenly found like oh wow like i have good running mechanics people think i'm a runner and i can like I can run fast, which is, and not get injured and not get injured, which is the biggest thing. Um, but yeah, I think you, you mentioned this earlier, like I started being coached, I don't know, in like 2017, 2018 and 2019 was like my season, you know, I put a bunch of races together and had a good year. And it was funny. 2020 was supposed to be like that season for you. You had all your races planned and and ready to go. I'm sure a lot of people have oh, this definitely. thing too. And, um, you know, so it's, uh, getting back into it, you know, getting your running legs back and all that stuff, but yeah, running kills you. Uh, I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. I was, yeah. I just have like a crazy job right now where I'm working like 60 hours a week and like, I would love to do triathlon right now, but just, juggle i tried juggling for like three months and just i just couldn't do it especially like trying to find a time to go swimming it was either my only option was like 8 p.m and there was just there was just no way yeah <laughs> getting in getting in the pool at 8 p.m yeah it just it sucked and so i was like all right i enjoy running the most because that's what like i grew up doing and so right now I'm kind of just training for, um, trying to go to Boston. So nice. I'm running a marathon in Spokane in 10 weeks. All right. I realized, oh shoot, I have till November 12th to qualify. So <laughs> yeah, 10 weeks is coming up that like that time just flies by because you're yeah. right in the middle of like all your hard training right now. And then you're going to get through it and it's like, wow, race is here. <laughs> No, yeah. And actually Ari, who I interviewed last week, he's coaching me for Oh nice. Yeah. Cause he comes from like a strong running background. So Yeah, I uh, I listened to that one with Ari and is super fascinating. I was like, he reminded me a lot of myself actually, like quitting mm -hmm. full time work and 
just seeing what you can do in the sport kind of thing. It's because that's my next question too. So it's like I know Jenna, you still work, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and not then... not sixty hour weeks, but <laughs> yes, I do. And what do you do again? You work for? I work for a company called Hungry Road. Um, okay. We're we're a grocery delivery company, and I'm the senior photo and video manager. So basically do everything visual for them i love the videos where you put out and you go grocery shopping and then you get the box of all the food you have to take pictures of. <laughs> how often do you have to clean out your refrigerator oh our, our fridge is the most incredible like it takes Puzzle. so much planning and organization to like yeah. get our food right because you can imagine how much we eat in a week so, and we get these grocery deliveries and the most ridiculous part of Jenna's job is <laughs> we get samples every now and then, but the really unexpected samples, because you don't even know like how it works sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I need to take pictures of like our new products that we have coming out that haven't mm -hmm. launched yet. And oftentimes I end up getting 15 bags of apples or like <laughs> full like 10 pound hams or something like that and I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do with this I don't know where I'm gonna put it but I also think it's good because just from with the nature of of our um lifestyles we we end up going through all the food anyway nice so totally. our groceries are like a well-oiled machine it's like we go to grocery outlet to get the discounts on <laughs> as much food as possible we go to trader joe's to get our favorite items that are also cheap and then we get our hungry root box that like fills in all the gaps and then we get random samples that we just like have on the yeah. side and then afterwards i'm like we aren't going grocery shopping for another two like two weeks and three days later i'm like we're we're out of like half the thing <laughs> So like with your job, because I think it's like a very interesting thing, like just professional triathletes in general, but like even ones that are like trying to make it, like just making a living. So like with your income and then I don't know if you have like some sort of income, Miguel, from sponsors or anything, or it's just prize money or like, <laughs> or oh. Jen is the 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 breadwinner absolutely the breadwinner <laughs> there's no denying that um, sugar mama yeah that's, that, that's what she is uh but no i um my last few months have been kind of interesting because i i think at my job which is the first job that i got out of college just once the pandemic hit and i moved out here i knew that job wasn't going to be sustainable and i wasn't going to be there forever um and I just kind of like got increasingly like bored and frustrated with that job. So literally as soon as I got my pro card or, you know, qualified to get my pro card at a race in Florida a few months ago, like <laughs> I was like, how can I get out of this job? Um, and luckily our YouTube channel like occupied so much of my life at that point that it was like, I know how I can, what I can do and I know what I can work on to like hopefully make this a full-time gig at some point like there's a future in our youtube channel or at least a short-term future i don't know like how long people can like hold a youtube lifestyle as a career but mm -hmm. um right now it's something exciting and cool and it, it it can generate some revenue uh you know soon i think i mean we're getting some money from youtube but 
and um, like different sponsors will come along that will help fund it a little more. Um, but besides that, I'm coaching part-time at uh, my old swim club. Um, I'm doing some like swim analysis stuff where I'm combining, you know, video with, uh, with what I know, which is mm -hmm. swimming. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not working. <laughs> I'm not working, but I'm definitely working. Like it, I thought I'd have all this free time when I quit my job, but I definitely do not. <laughs> I definitely am training more too. Um, so an eventual prize money when you get your pro card. Definitely. That's the goal. Awesome. So for the videos, like who edits them? I feel like Jenna would edit them, but I don't know. At the same time, like, I feel like you would want to edit them. It's always uh, the question. Yeah. Nobody knows. Are we allowed to say? Yeah, we can talk <laughs> um, Ryan. Well, it, uh, it started out, Jenna was doing the majority of the editing. Mm -hmm. um, but just as our jobs started to develop and like Jenna actually saw a future in her job and wanted to move up, <laughs> devoting more time to that. And I was like, just don't, don't put her job down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jenna's like, I care about my career. And I'm like, I don't. So um, I, I found some ways to just like do my job efficiently and like stay online. So people think I'm working and have more time to do videos and all right, everyone, everyone who's working for everyone home. did it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not news. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of happened. Like I started to have more time. I did some film making and did some video editing in high school and a little bit in college. So I kind of had that background too. Um, so it turned into like Jenna doing all of it into like this tag team effort. And then eventually I just editing everything. She probably films more. Um, but yeah, it's kind of what it's turned into. Nice. I feel like there's a good balance of the filming and who's on camera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we try not to like think about, oh, like Jenna's getting a lot of camera time the last couple of weeks. Like it's time to do Miguel, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Hopefully it's, it's a good balance and people. Did you get some good footage from Oregon or, I mean, it's kind of hard. I hope so. Iron Man denied me a media pass, which I was a little bummed about. <laughs> oh yeah. I always forget about the, yeah, the media pass and like how strict they are, especially yeah. those events. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if anyone out there knows people with Iron Man, tell them that we're a little bummed out about that and we would like media passes in the future. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, that was my job in Oregon is to just roll around with the camera. We got an expensive item too, because there's no sales tax in Oregon. Mm -hmm. so a little, uh, a little gimbal for our nice camera. Um, nice. So there should be some cool new shots in our next video. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We'll see what he got. Nice. But yeah, let's um dive into, I guess, the main part of the the, the show and kind of like your morning routines and maybe just talk about um maybe I guess during your college careers as like swimmers what did your morning routines look like maybe just during like a regular training session and kind of race day prep or like did you even realize like oh it's I'm just gonna swim it's not really that important I just gotta wake up and I'll go <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying to think about college. Um, I mean, 
I would like for, for a regular morning, morning workout mm-hmm. that we would have, I think we would have either three or four morning workouts a week, um, either a lift in the morning or a swim in the morning. And honestly, for that, I'd roll out of bed, eat a banana on my way to the pool or the weight room and <laughs> force myself through this workout and then, and then go to the dining hall afterwards. Um, but I feel like now it's a little bit different because my body is a little bit older and <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm more fragile than I once used to be. Do you think you could have been like more like looking back or like, oh, I wish I was more like proactive about like looking out for like my body or just like prepping myself a little better? I think I think for for regular workouts, I was a little blase, but on on like like swim meet mornings, I think I'd be a little bit more focused. Um, we, I'd get out of bed, do a little bit of like rolling before going to the dining hall. Um, would always try to get in some movements before like eating in the morning and then like hopping on the bus to go to the swim meet or walking over to the pool. Um, Mm -hmm. always I'm a big breakfast girl and always try to get in a good meal. I like have a, a a stomach of like steel, I guess. I know a lot of people who can't eat pre-race or like pre pre-workout. And I'm like a big, like, let's get some food in you type of girl. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I should have thought of them. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. And then I guess like from that point up until, I mean, you have like pretty consistent training now and kind of what was your morning routine and kind of like mindset going into like Oregon this past week, knowing that like you've been struggling with like your run and swimming. And I know you've talked about um, you being frustrated about your swimming just because you've been doing it for so long and you're like, why should I, I guess it, it could apply to you too, Miguel, like days you struggle with the swim, you're like, why is this happening? even even though I've been doing it forever yeah yeah I mean swimming it's so weird because it's like you're like we were we were so looking back on in like the world of triathlon we were so fast in college (laughs) like (laughs) like if we were you know as fast as we were in college right now it would be ridiculous people would look at like our swim times in just a single practice and be like oh my god you're like a world record swimmer but, um, so, you know, from that standpoint, it's just like, you got to ignore where you were when you were swimming 20 hours a week. And, um, sometimes on days where you're not feeling it, it's hard to ignore that and being like, what, why am I still swimming? Like, it's, it's weird, but, um, yeah, I guess that's like, there's history there and it's sometimes hard to forget that. Um, but yeah, you want to answer that question? <laughs> just about like my, what was the question exactly? <laughs> no, yeah, it kind of was like your mentality going into the race, just knowing like you had been struggling before and was there anything like kind of different that you did, I guess the morning of, or you kind of just kept a routine and. Well, kinda... yeah. So actually the night before the race, um, I don't think we got any of it on camera, um, but I like had a breakdown 
I was, I mean, we drove up there and I was struggling with like a lot of what felt like nerve pain mm-hmm. going down my leg. Um, just like all in the the back of my leg and my knee, like my calf was seizing up and I like called Miguel's mom, who's my PT and just started bawling. I was like, Marty, I don't know what's going on right now. I'm like, my leg doesn't feel good. I don't know if I'm going to be able to race tomorrow. Like, I don't know if I like push it, I'll just do so much damage that my entire season will be over. Mm -hmm. And both she and you like, listen, everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Come race morning. Here are a couple exercises that you can do to try to feel better right now. We can like put some tape on your leg to like make mm-hmm. it seem like it's healing something. Basically just putting a bandaid over yeah, it's it. the placebo. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. that point it was like, what placebos can we, <laughs> yeah. like how can we trick her into feeling good right like now? Like kissing my boo-boo. And yeah. <laughs> that like everything will be okay. Um, I mean, that's all, that's all you could do. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, this stuff is so mental. Like every athlete has an experience like this where you, you get to race day and everything just feels wrong. And it's like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, I'm not going to perform. And it, it, and then you stop and think like, really, you think about this retrospectively, but it's like, it's, it was all in, I mean, it wasn't all in my head, but like most of it was just anxiety about the race, I think. Um, and, you know, you, your body does play tricks on you and start to feel weird before you get up and do something crazy like a half Ironman. But um, I don't know, you, you got to have a strong mind and, and work past it, which, which you did ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I woke up in the morning and was like, listen, we're here. We're doing this. We drove nine hours to get here. I like said in this YouTube video that we posted two days ago that I was doing this and getting my world slot. I'm not, not going to do it. Um, I mean, in the morning, just watch some Olympics to get fired up. And it was great timing. Um, ate some oats, stretched a little bit and was Mm -hmm. like, all right, we'll see what happens. And I think as soon as I like got out of the car and started walking to like the transition area, I had completely forgotten about everything. That's Didn't amazing. Feel anything at all throughout the entire race and my calf. On the topic of morning routines too, I think undoubtedly that is our biggest race day morning routine is the tradition of big day oats. <laughs> I know <laughs> you guys have talked about those on the show a lot. People of our YouTube channel, but I think at this point it's like, like waking up at 3 a.m. for one of these races is always not fun. Um, mm-hmm. But like we go downstairs or wherever we are in, in the Airbnb or whatever and, you know, make our big day oats. And it like all it, it like weirdly just relaxes you, you know, yeah. like having that. And it's something different for everybody. But for us, it takes like, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes to like do our oats and put, well, you put everything and more in. in yeah, and we just like, and we kind of like <laughs> joke and laugh about what we're doing and we're filming it. And I don't know, like it, that I think like has been the biggest like morning routine change for me in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And it happens before like big important workouts that I'm doing too, where like, you know, you, it, it's just kind of something that, that like occupies your mind in a different way where you're not thinking about race day, but like 
you know, you're making oatmeal. <laughs> like it's yeah. just something random and something that you're looking forward to. And no, I was about to say that know? like half the time that I eat big day oats, I'm not hungry. Like, like at yeah. <laughs> 3 a.m. when I ate oats before the 70.3, like I wasn't hungry. I had dinner like six hours before I, but it was like something to occupy, occupy my mind. And honestly, like extremely meditative, just like throwing things a bowl in a bowl, like mixing them together and just like doing something that really, yeah, takes, takes my mind off of the race coming up or like a big workout that we have mm -hmm. later in the day. And it's, it's fuel for your body and I guess for your mind too. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I'll just touch on my, you know, kind of evolution of morning routines, but like I've go. slowly become more of a morning person. Mm -hmm. And I think it's for that reason, it, it is, there's something about like, and this kind of happened slowly, like earlier in college, I would just roll out of bed and go to swim practice. And definitely in high school, I'd wake up like 15 minutes before practice and just get there as soon as possible. Um, but, you know, when I, I kind of turned things around junior year in college, where I like actually started to go fast and, you know, score points for my team in college and kind of became like the backstroker on my team and everything. And I started to get like more serious about what I was doing and more serious about what I was eating. And, and one of the That's things when you became the captain, right? Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of stuff happened to our team, like junior year that just like, basically all of the seniors got kicked off the team. Um, my, my junior year and, it, and like, so you our, were it. Yeah, our team was in complete <laughs> disarray. So I became captain by default. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> who, who can, who's like a leader here that can kind of help us not completely fall apart? And um, so that, you know, that happened and it, it kind of forced me to be like, okay, like I can, you just kind of sit back and let things just happen, or I can like take this as an opportunity to do something good. And, uh, you know, my senior year was the best year uh Fordham had had like in our conference for you know really like I don't know like 20 30 years like it we had this unbelievably magical season my senior year um but you know my junior year I started to take things seriously and what happened is I became more of a morning person I started to you know we had 6 a.m practice I would wake up at five just to have my body ready and if I wanted to get to practice early to like run stadiums with teammates that wanted to do the same thing, I would wake up even earlier just to make sure like, you know, I wasn't going to practice groggy. I was going to practice like on it, like I was ready to take things seriously. And, you know, everyone had a different thing. Some people would roll out of bed and go, but as long as they saw like, you know, me and like others that were waking up early and getting there and being energized at 6am, I think it makes a big difference and you know now doing kind of a lonely sport and having one training partner um <laughs> it, i still just kind of do the same thing for my own mind and you know if i'm going to practice at if i'm going to swim practice now at 6 30 i'll wake up at 5 30. um mm -hmm. just if anything like sometimes i'll just like sit out here and do nothing or like take dishes out of the dishwasher or whatever but as long as i'm up and and just kind of like getting my body woken up and I'll make coffee and just kind of like do things. Yeah. That... Just go through the motions. Yeah. I totally yeah. get what you're saying. Exactly. But it's like, 
there's like an hour before like my day starts in the morning. That's just like very meditative, no matter what you're doing. If it's some, it's usually a, the same stuff, but um, even if it's completely different, it's just like being up when it's like still dark out, it, it just makes you feel like you're the only one. I remember yeah, you're just waking up. up. Yeah. Waking up before like the world, like getting up before the world wakes up. Yeah. It's silent. It's, it's really cool. Like that's a, that's a nice feeling. I know so many people hate that feeling and it's just like, why would you ever wake up that early? Um, but I think a lot of athletes kind of become morning people for that reason. It's just like, I, I can wake up early and I feel good when I do. So like, why not do it every day? You know? No, definitely. Yeah. Cause I wake up at, we, I mean, we start work at 5am right now. And so I'm waking up at like three thirty. Like, I don't have to, but it's like the same thing. Like I'm waking yeah. up and I want that like me time. Yeah. Like I woke up, made some coffee and literally just sat on the couch. And then I like transitioned to the floor and like started rolling out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, whatever your body wants to do at that time, it, it's okay. Like if I want to just sit on the couch and do nothing, we have the Olympics, I guess it's like just been going on in the background, but mm-hmm. yeah, now there's like the Olympics to turn on or a few weeks ago, we were turning on the tour de France cause that was on early. Um, and then sometimes it's just like listening to a podcast. You listen to a lot of podcasts in the morning, mm-hmm. but what's your to go to podcast right now? Um, I just like listen to the daily in the morning. Okay. Something about Michael Barbara's voice really just <laughs> gets me going. At, at <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so you what? Do have a great podcast voice, by the way. Me? Yeah. I'm still getting used to hearing myself talk. Because <laughs> yeah. what I'll do is like the, because I'll schedule my podcast to come out like when I finish it usually the day before I'll schedule it to come out at like 4 a.m. the next day. So it's like 7 a.m. like East Coast time also. And on my drive, like into work, I'll listen to my podcast. Yeah. And I'll just, that's the first time I'll listen to it. Not even like when I'm, like I'll listen to parts of it while like I'm editing. Like I'll listen to the beginning, middle, like end, but I won't listen to it all the way through. Yeah. And I'll edit it at whatever. And then I post it and it's not till the next day when it's like live, I'll listen to it all the way through. <laughs> and you're like, it's out there. Like... I can't do anything about it anymore. I might as well do it all. Yeah. I'm just trying to, yeah. I mean, it would be nice to do like one or two a week, but I mean like reaching out to people and then like waiting for them to reply and then like scheduling them and like that takes time. And so I'm not being too harsh on myself. Cause I feel like it's the same for you, you two when, putting out YouTube videos, it's like, all right, whenever we get footage and yeah. whenever we have the motivation again, we had it when we posted it, but then as the week goes on, it's like, oh, okay, I'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah weekly schedule for, for anything creative is so tough it's because tough. you finish one thing and you should already be 70% of the way through your next thing that you're But posting. Wednesday hits and you're like, I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. yeah. I, I was, um, I was reading a book recently, uh, The Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler. Stephen Kotler is a great author for everything mm-hmm. that is like, if you want to be extraordinary at something, his writing is is incredible in that sense. But um, 
he was talking about like creativity and and ways that fuel creativity and one of them is just to not put time constraints on it like you need time where you sit down where if you like for him he's a writer so he's like if you write one sentence in three hours that's okay like don't don't make yourself like have deadlines to be creative and i think you know for us we we try to stick to a weekly schedule where we try to push something out once a week and um and i'm like jenna i'll have the video by thursday and then like it's wednesday night and i'm like this i have like a fourth of a video like i don't know what to say <laughs> but um and i kind of like get mad at myself and, and jenna's like it's okay no one's like sitting at their computer waiting for our videos like just take your time <laughs> um, so that's really helpful and yeah no it, it, it's i mean it's something that you're probably thinking about too it's like but where are you two racing again um in two weeks so go ahead we're we're racing at age group nationals in milwaukee nice um, i i'm doing i guess we're both doing the olympic race on on saturday and i think you're Sweet. doing the open water swim on friday too mm -hmm. and then and then a few weeks after that we'll be at the world championships for half iron man in saint george Sweet. that's our season mm -hmm. <laughs> i'll be watching Awesome. Thank you. But yeah, where can, um, I know you have your YouTube channel, but where can people follow you? And I know you're on Instagram and YouTube. You search freestyle try on Instagram. Mm -hmm. We are together there. I'm Jenna Hoffler at Instagram. I'm Miguel Maddox and we're pretty easy to find. Yeah, definitely mm -hmm. check us out on YouTube. If you haven't, we throw out some fun content. We're learning to be creative and pay attention to you know the videography and editing and hey everyone episode's over but please let me know let jenna and miguel know if you enjoyed the episode reach out to them say hey listen to brian's podcast loved it let me know what you think definitely check out their youtube channel if you don't know much about triathlon and you kind of want a little sneak peek day in the life of triathletes check it out they've got good videos good vibes Nothing but good vibes out here. All right, everyone. Have a good one. See ya.